Would you pray with me as we begin? Heavenly Father, our Lord Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. We honor your name today with love and respect. Teach us about truth and integrity as we live for you. Reveal your intentions to us in your word today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I want to start this morning by asking you, uh, or at least presenting to you, some statements, and, and you tell me if you feel that they are true or not true. Here's the first one. All news media sources tell only 100% truth all of the time. These folks seem to think it's false. Let's try this one. All politicians tell the truth. They never lie. Oh, man. Man, you don't like that one either. Well, how about this one? Everything we read and hear on social media is absolutely accurate. <laughs> yeah, we could put this over there. <laughs> Just not right, is it? Uh, all of these statements uh, really kind of address the truth problem that we've got going on right now, right? We have a truth problem, and uh, it's also a real integrity problem uh, that, that doesn't seem to be going away very fast. It's, it's very hard for us to know who to trust, right? Uh, everybody says, I've got the truth. What I'm saying is the truth. Never mind that guy over there. What I'm saying, I've got the truth. And then the next guy says, no, 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 I've got the truth. Never mind all those guys over there. I've got it all cornered. And uh, usually they post a YouTube video all about it. And uh, quite often that gets tagged as untruthful and is gone within 24 hours. You know how that works. This is the cycle that we have been in for the last while. We have a truth problem. Honesty is at a premium. Integrity is in very short supply. Of course, being the narcissists that we are in our generation, we think we're the only generation who ever had this problem. But you know, in Jesus' day, they had an integrity problem too, especially among God's people. We've been uh, for several weeks sitting at the feet of Jesus as we studied the Sermon on the Mount. Today, we're looking at the subject of oaths in Matthew chapter 5, and I encourage you to turn to chapter 5 in your Bible. We're going to be starting at verse 33. One of the great things about doing a series where you walk through a whole section of the Bible is that you don't skip over anything. You know, so when you hit the uncomfortable subjects, you got to deal with them. And when you hit the things that are, are kind of different, like this one, you, you got to walk through it and say, okay, what is God saying to me about himself and about our relationship with one another? And, uh, and this is one of those passages. So if you have uh, your Bible open at Matthew 5, we're starting at verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows that you've made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You might wonder, what in the world do oaths have to do with us today? 
You know, how does that connect with us? Well, I think you'll see the relevance as we start to dig, dig in. I wanted to look at three aspects of this passage this morning. Um, they're important to understand, if we're really going to understand what he's saying here. First, it addresses a matter of reverence. And second, it addresses a matter of truth. And third, it addresses a matter of integrity. So we're looking at reverence, truth, and integrity this morning. First thing we want to look at is a matter of reverence. When Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to say, hallowed be thy name in King James English, or holy is your name. We're talking to God. God's name is sacred, and it's so sacred, you know, the, the Hebrews wouldn't write it down. Uh, they'd skip it. When they were writing, instead, they'd write the letters Y-H-W-H. And they write that in Hebrew. That was a, a name holder, a placeholder. And, uh, of course, it was never meant to be pronounced until a group of Dutch interpreters came along years later and said, well, how do we pronounce this? So then they took some of the letters from other words like Adonai and such, and they took the vowels from those, and they stuck them in between. We ended up with Yehovah, or Jehovah, right? And that's how we got that word. But uh, that word is actually representing, it's another placeholder, representing the sacred name of God. So, you know, when we quote the third commandment in Exodus 20, verse 7, we are talking here about God's name and particularly about misusing God's name. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Well, that's one of the commandments. That's the third commandment. Well, sort of. When we talk about using the Lord's name in vain, we usually mean it as a swear word, don't we? You know? But uh, this commandment, actually holds a lot more meaning than that. In fact, it, it applies to any wrong use of God's name. Uh, with oaths, there was a problem using God's name in Jesus' day. Uh, Jesus doesn't quote the commandment exactly here, but a teaching by the scribes, and it said, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. That's actually what he quotes in the passage. Um, this was something that the scribes would quote. Instead of just quoting the commandment, they would quote this thing and they would twist it a little bit because they felt like they had ownership since they created it. And, and they would twist it a little bit into their own interpretation. You know, there was a Hebrew belief at this time that if you attached God's name to something, it became a contract. It was a debt that you had to pay. Uh, not to the person you were swearing it to so much as it was a debt to pay to God. If you put God's name on it, then that's who you paid back by doing whatever you promised to do for whatever person you promised to do it in. Well, this is a, a matter of reverence. Think about it. God's name is holy. And when we appropriate God's name and we attach it to something else, we, we had better make sure that we're doing it in a worthy manner or a reverent manner, in a manner that doesn't abuse the name of God. You know, it's, it's a matter of reverence, but it's also a matter of truth. Uh, oaths in Jesus' day, well, they were kind of like the fake news of that day. Uh, they were generally used for deceit. They weren't used for truth. But some of the same people 
who were doing this, who were abusing them, they were preaching truth at the same time. Teachers taught that truth was of utmost importance. Uh, there were a lot of Jewish sayings around truth. Uh, let me show you a few. These are, these are interesting. The world stands fast on three things, on justice, on truth, and on peace. That's a rabbinical saying. There's another one. Four persons are shut out of the presence of God, the scoffer, the hypocrite, the liar, and the retailer of slander. How about this one? One who has given his word and who changes it is as bad as an idolater. Well, these were all very popular sayings in Jesus' day, the scribes, the Pharisees, everybody quoted these rabbinical sayings. And, uh, and as we say today, it, it looks good on paper. But in reality, the use of the oaths had become something that was twisted into something other than the truth. They had developed a system that was full of escape clauses and loopholes to get out of fulfilling the vows that they made, the promises they made. And, and Jesus looks at this, and he is nailing this as unacceptable. He says, but I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it's God's footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white, or black. I've often thought that, you know, if you have to swear that you're telling the truth, you're probably not telling the truth. Amen? <laughs> the Pharisees and those people like them had a very ceremonious way that they took these oaths and promises, and, and, and through them, it came to be a part of the culture of Jesus' day. And so, so all of this is in play when Jesus is sitting on the side of the mountain and teaching them, and he begins to talk about oaths. They had a very sophisticated and complicated system developed to judge how binding your oath was. And it was all related to Yahweh's name. Little picayune distinctions were made. Swearing by heaven and earth, not binding. Neither was swearing by Jerusalem, not binding, but swearing toward Jerusalem, standing, looking in the direction of Jerusalem while you're swearing it, that was binding for some reason. And of course, if God's name was invoked, it was a contract that had to be kept. Well, most of the time for the Pharisees and the scribes, this system of oaths, you remember when you were a little kid and, you know, you'd... you'd promise to do something and you put your fingers behind your back and you'd cross your fingers? You ever do that? It's kind of like they were doing that. Like they were making their oath and crossing their fingers and it's like, doesn't count, not for real. I don't have to keep that vow. That's the way that they were doing it. Well, there's a, a whole section of the Mishnah, one of the interpreter books of, of, um, done by the great rabbis devoted uh, to helping to interpret the scriptures. And there's a whole section in the Mishnah that, that gives you all the different ways that these vows could be made, um, most of which were not binding, which means you could break them at any time without any recourse. The oath's intention was to encourage truthfulness, but really they became opportunities for some pretty clever lies and a lot of hidden deceit. Oaths that were supposed to be about truth were a complex system of lies. Kind of like today. Kind of like now. Claiming truth 
without actual truth is guess what? It's a lie. It's a lie. It doesn't matter how much you say it's the truth. If it has no truth in it, it's a lie. And Jesus is calling that out here. He, he's saying, all that swearing that you're doing, that all means nothing. All that twisting and turning, it's dishonest. Well, we use oaths today, don't we? I mean, how many times have you heard somebody say, I swear on a stack of Bibles? You ever hear somebody say that? Or, I'd stake my life on it. That's kind of what he was talking about when he says, you know, you can't change anything on your head. Swearing by your head makes no difference. Uh, we sometimes invoke God's name, don't we? We say, honest to God. Or, I swear to God, it's true. We do that kind of stuff all the time. We do it, I think, to, to make ourselves sound more legitimate, to carry more weight in what we're promising. And, you know, it's so much a part of our culture that it would be very easy to lapse into it. I've caught myself doing it all kinds of times. You know, you start to do it and you go, wait a minute. I don't think I'm supposed to do it that way. Jesus says it is better not to swear. It's just a lot of empty words to support the truth, but not necessarily the truth itself. You know, there are some legitimate oaths, right? When I came to this country and I, I'm a, I became a landed immigrant first, and then uh, we had our, our green card for a year, and then eventually we were able to become uh, permanent residents, and then after a period of years, we were able to apply for citizenship. And, and when I became a citizen, I had to stand before a judge, and I had to take an oath of citizenship. It's the very last thing you do in the process after you've, you know, been through hearing and all the things that you do. And it's a pretty big deal. And I remember very clearly on the day that I became a citizen, I was sitting in a, a seat towards the back and talking to the people around me, and the fellow behind me, I think, was from Egypt, and there was somebody nearby from Australia, and somebody in front of me was coming in from Korea, and there were people from all over the world who were there for the same reason. We were there to make a promise, and we were there to seal the deal, to finish our citizenship. And as we stood, we raised our right hands, and we took an oath. It was a pledge that we would do certain things if we were called upon, and that we would be loyal and faithful. And it was serious. To break your oath is to lose your citizenship and to be deported if you come from another country. And so there are some serious consequences to breaking your oath. Um, it, was, it was a great day. It was an interesting day on that day. Uh, after you finish, you, you're sworn in. Uh, and then there's a screen drops down from the ceiling, and Lee Greenwood's song comes on, and, and uh, it's playing, and there's beautiful vistas from all over the country. And, and uh, I'm proud to be an American. You know, it's, it's a, a wonderful patriotic moment. Um, except that the machine got stuck and it kept playing and they couldn't make it stop. And so it just kept playing over and over again and finally somebody pushed it back up in the ceiling and it stopped. But even with all of that, which may even sound a little bit hokey, it was still a very moving moment because there was a transition taking place. There was something important taking place through that oath. You know, I don't think this passage necessarily quite applies to those legal and ceremonial proceedings. But the need to be truthful does apply. When you go to court, you swear to tell the truth. For uh, 
groups who object to swearing, and, and many, there are a lot of religious groups who do, including our church in our back history, in our former history, um, people who, because of this passage, didn't want to take, the, take an oath uh, on religious grounds, or at least swear, um, they are allowed to affirm to tell the truth. But it, it really means the same thing, doesn't it? It means you're going to keep your word. That's what it all comes down to. It's a matter of integrity. It's a matter of integrity. I'm going to keep my word. I'm a person of my word. Well, how valuable is your integrity as a Christian? Is it important at all? Is integrity important? How important is it that a Christian keeps his or her word and tells the truth? Pretty important, isn't it? That we follow through on a promise. That's pretty important. Truthfulness is one of the marks of our legitimately being Jesus followers. And that's a, that's a mark of the Christian. It's supposed to be anyway. Jesus says, do not swear at all. It is unnecessary if you're being honest, if you're telling the truth. A true disciple doesn't have to swear to reinforce truthfulness, do they? All you need to do is simply say yes or no. And Jesus says, anything else beyond this comes from the evil one. In the Greek, it's interesting, and, and if you're a King James person, um, you know, it says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. In the Greek, it actually, yes is repeated twice and no is repeated twice. Um, it emphasizes that we just need to tell the truth. It just lends extra strength. Yes, yes, and no, no. Because we're Christians and people of integrity, that's enough. Our yes and no is enough. Our word should be enough. Especially when I, I was younger, I used to uh, be happy to say yes to everybody who came along. And so people would ask me to do something. I'd say, sure, I'll do that. And, and you, you pile stuff up and you get to the point where, you know, you really can't do all that stuff. And you always end up letting somebody down. And often it was my family I let down because I took on way too much stuff. I was always saying yes. And though I was sincere... I wasn't really being truthful. Sometimes I think it's just easier to say yes. We just say it, you know, to get past the conversation. Well, then one day I realized that, you know, it was okay to say no. It was all right to say, this is my limit. This is as far as I can go and be truthful. And it also helped me not feel like I was being pulled every which way but loose. And that's what Jesus meant by letting your yes be yes or your no be no. We are not trying to fool anybody, to hide anything. He says anything else comes from the devil because the devil is the father of lies. And so when we're not truthful, we're really following his teaching, aren't we? One of my favorite people when uh, Bonnie and I came to this country, it was a man by the name of Eldon Huntoon. And um, he was a good bit responsible for bringing us to the U.S. to pastor a church in Michigan. He was our head deacon, and uh, he was a, a great leader by example. In fact, uh, you know, 
Later on, we realized just how much this one man was doing because he was just leading all the time. He was, if something needed to be done, he was the first in line to do it. Eldon was a, a little bit old-fashioned in some ways, and, and sometimes I felt like mm, his interpretation of Scripture was maybe a little bit too traditional. But I never for a single second that I knew him doubted his integrity. One day, Eldon was killed in a really terrible construction accident right after we, we first got settled there. And there was a large bundle of solid oak doors. He worked in construction, and, and it was un unloaded, not in a very good way, and propped against a wall. And, and uh, at some point, something happened, and they started to shift, and they started to fall, and Eldon, being Eldon, ran over there, and he put his hands up and tried to stop them. But they were made of solid oak, and he was killed. It's the kind of man he was. He didn't want him to get banged up. But tragically, he was killed. And it was a real blow to his wife, Rosie, and to the congregation and to his friends. And I remember the funeral, uh, even the visitation time, there were so many people there. And you know, he wasn't the kind of guy who drew attention to himself, not on purpose. But he was a man of his word. He was a man of great integrity. And he was kind of a conscience for our church in many ways. And, you know, we really noticed a change when he was gone. You knew with him that no matter what circumstances, no matter what was going on, he was always going to tell you the truth. He was always going to be honest. You could always trust him. Well, I've often thought about his character and um, his testimony. And what I've thought is this, his testimony really should be our testimony. You know, there should never be any doubt about how we live or what we say about who we are. Um, Jesus is saying, just let our yes stand or our no stand all by itself. He's against hypocrisy of all types. And uh, he's for straightforwardness and transparency and honesty and responsibility in all forms. There's uh, an ancient bishop by the name of Clement of Alexandria, and he said, Christians must lead such a life and demonstrate such a character that no one would ever dream of asking them for an oath. I like that. I think that's very good. Like those very first disciples, we are called to respect and to honor and to revere the name of God, right? It's important for us to be consistent and to have consistent trustworthiness. If we aren't evasive and looking for loopholes, we better represent Jesus himself, don't we? Let's live by the integrity of of our word for the sake of Jesus. I guess that's the challenge for today, is to examine ourselves, to measure our own integrity, and, and to make sure that we're living in such a way that Jesus would be pleased based on this teaching. That we have integrity, that we have truthfulness. And so as we go to prayer this week in your devotional time, maybe just put this before God. Hey, Lord, am I living like this? Uh, am I going this way? 
Am I doing what I should be doing? Am I speaking the way I should be speaking in this matter? And he may ask you to make a few changes. Or he may just say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Keep going. But that's between us and God. Let's, let's put that before the Lord this week. Let's pray. Lord, we want to be people of honor. We want to be faithful and we want to be true to you and true to your word, even when it's difficult, even when we're overwhelmed. Uh, let us, Lord, be honest and true. Give us the courage to let our yes and our no stand alone. Give us the courage to be brave enough to tell the truth, but also to be sensitive in how we tell it, truthful but loving. Let us be known as people of integrity, Christ followers who look and act like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.